Now Brenda's going to come and read to us from the Gospel of John. Good morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived for a while amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Tony's going to come and read to us now from John chapter 14 and verse 15 following. Reading from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 27. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Brenda, for bringing us God's reading to us. So we're on Trinity Sunday, and I want to begin with a story that um, happens quite frequently. A man was on his house roof, cleaning the roof, fixing something, and he slipped, and he was hanging 25 feet with the guttering. Thankfully, it was metal guttering, not plastic guttering with his fingertips, and he's hanging there, and he shouts down, is anybody there? Help! And there's no answer. And he looks up, and he says, is there anybody else up there? And then this voice comes and says, yes, I am God. Let go, and I will catch you. And he says, is anybody else up there? <laughs> Last week, we celebrated the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost. And today is Trinity Sunday, and there's a reason why our forefathers and mothers created the calendar like that. It's a reference to the nature of God as Father, the Creator, the Son who redeems us, recreates us, and the Holy Spirit who sustains us. This past week, I don't know if you've looked at the news um, uh, on our own national news, but we've listened to stories of uh, mothers and children in the 1950s and 60s who were uh, forced to give up their children and listening to stories how um, the mothers uh, experienced prejudice and abuse during this era. And there were children who were forced to be adopted at that particular era. And of course, many of these children who were adopted had very happy, loving homes to go to. And it made me ask the question, and it's a really important question for us all here. It's a question, have you ever experienced being abandoned? Being abandoned in all sorts of ways. Well, I remember when I was a primary school boy, we lived um, by the Thames Estuary, not far away, about an hour away, and my father had this wooden dinghy, which was about seven foot long, maybe, and we were going in this dinghy from the shore, and my father at the time was a fairly burly man, and there were three other burly men getting in this dinghy that they were going to row out to a sailing yacht in the estuary. And I was about that high and they plonked me in. Now these burly men got into the dinghy and guess what happened? Water started coming in over the edge of the dinghy and these men were getting out, abandoning ship. And there was I sitting down as it was going glug, 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 glug. And at that particular point, I felt very abandoned. And I thought, right, it is time to cry. Otherwise, we're going down with this thing. 
And at that point, they thought, ah, oh, yes, there's a little boy in the boat. And they grabbed me before it went down and pulled me out and put me to the shore. And in all seriousness, some of us have experienced abandonment from broken relationships, perhaps with our parents, our spouses, our children. Some have experienced painful redundancy, being cast aside or are unwanted, no longer valuable, abandoned. Some have been expelled from churches due to theological differences and church splits and feeling abandoned. Imagine then how the disciples felt as Jesus told them in this chapter 14 of John's Gospel that he is about to leave them. He is going to abandon them. And these words in John 14 verse 15 onwards that Tony read to us were spoken hours before the greatest event in world history, the greatest act of love that God's Son, the Son of God, took the place of sinners on the cross to take our sin that we might be forgiven. So the first thing I want to share this morning with you is we are not abandoned. The Comforter is here for the followers of Jesus. In verses 16 to 17 of John's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and in you, because you've said yes to Jesus. And verse 19, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. If you have troubled hearts, friends, this morning, if your family or your neighbours or your colleagues have troubled hearts, what Jesus says is the antidote. Trust in God's faithfulness. That is the antidote for our troubled hearts. Or as one of the greatest missionaries to China, Hudson Taylor, said, hold to God's faithfulness. Hold on to God and you will find him faithful. So it's clear to me in verses 17 and 19 and 22, the gift of intimacy the gift of strength is promised in these verses. It's something the world doesn't understand or know, but those who've said yes to Jesus do. What is promised here is something so personal, so intimate, so reciprocal. It's a relationship with God himself through his spirit. And so Jesus is departing the world is not an unmitigated disaster. Jesus departing releases the following. His going away secures our future destiny. He says, my father's house have many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. Isn't that wonderful that we have real estate in heaven 
We have mansions because of Jesus, because we repent and trust in him. Jesus returning to the Father is a revelation. It discloses that Jesus is submissive to the Heavenly Father. He's wanting to please God the Father. And this is what we're about this morning in our worship. Worship isn't about entertaining us. It's about pleasing God the Father. I don't know if you've heard the story of the adult son And the mother says, first thing in the morning, come on, son, it's time to get up. It's Sunday morning, come on. No, I don't want to, the son says. The mother says, come on, son, it's time to get up and get on with things. The son replies, I don't want to go to church. And the mother says, come on, it's time to get up and go to church. Why should I, said the son. Because you're minister of the church. (laughs) Communal worship is a sacrifice of praise. So we come here to worship, not to socialise. We come here to bring before God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit our sacrifice of praise. Yes, socialising afterwards um, is a byproduct. But we're not abandoned in all of this. We have a comforter who is with us by his Holy Spirit. So we're not abandoned. Secondly, love leads to obedience. The second that those who receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of his love is an extraordinary thing. And certainly the position of this church is when we become a Christian, when we bow the knee and turn from sin and turn towards Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And there may be points beyond our life where we're filled up and anointed with the Holy Spirit. And we find this out on the day of Pentecost, that the disciples do extraordinary things. In verses 15 to 16, if you love me, I might say to Kate, you'll make me chocolate cake. But Jesus doesn't say that. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. What a promise that God is with us. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he or she it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father we learn about this relationship of reciprocal love. What does it mean to love Jesus? And Jesus tells us four times in these verses that this love is of such a nature that it it causes us to want to please God. It causes us to want to fulfill the commandments of Jesus. Loving Jesus isn't a matter of doing excellent things, Because we're all flawed and failures from time to time. But it's a matter of delighting in an excellent saviour. We have one who has overcome and conquered. John said, he who is in us is stronger than he who is in the world. Which means that love for Jesus is a response to his beauty, to his greatness, to his joy. Love for Jesus 
is delightful. It's pleasurable because he's infinitely desirable. It's admiring him because he's infinitely beautiful. It's treasuring him because he is infinitely valuable. It's enjoying him because he's infinitely enjoyable. It's being satisfied with all that he is because he is infinitely satisfying. Has our love grown weary and grown cool? If it has, it's time for us to step closer to him. He has not moved. We may have moved. It's time to reach out to him. So love means obedience, secondly. Thirdly, the paraclete, the accompanier. And I want to finish on this. One of my heroes um, is from a century ago and is an extraordinary individual, and some of you will be aware of him. Sir Ernest Shackleton was an expeditioner, was an adventurer, and he took, um, he raised a lot of money from the Royal Ge Geographical Society and went to Antarctica on the South Pole on the Endurance Expedition. And it was a complete failure in every regard to the expedition. The ship got caught in ice and this extraordinary man of quiet Christian faith, Ernest Shackleton, um, they eventually, the, the, the ship was crushed uh, and uh, they walked across the ice plateaus, which is incredibly dangerous, with one of the big, large dinghies, which they eventually, after walking for weeks, used it for shelter. And it was that point that Shackleton realised, unless he gets help, every one of these men will die. And he and uh, two others risked their very lives across South Georgia, as it's called, this mountain peninsula where they walked for days in unknown territory. There was no maps, and they could have just fallen off an edge, gone down a hole. And they eventually saw the harbour where the whaling station was. And Ernest Shackleton writes this in his diary, and I think this can resonate, not necessarily that we've been through endurance, but actually the presence of God with us. When I look back at those days, I have no doubt that providence guided us, not only across those snowfields, but across the storm-white sea that separated Elephant Island from our landing place on South Georgia. I know that during that long and raking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me often that we were four, not three. I said nothing to my companions on the point, but afterwards Worsley said to me, Boss, I had a curious feeling on that march. There was another person with us. Crean confessed to the same idea too. One feels the dearth of human words, the roughness of mortal speech in trying to describe things intangible. But a record of our journeys would be incomplete without a reference to a subject very near to our hearts. They had experienced the very presence of God with them. 
walking across those plains. Parakletos, parakletos is the word that John uses, the helper alongside, who exhorts, who comforts and entreats and encourages. We may have troubled hearts here or know of dear ones around us who have troubled hearts, but the blessing of the Spirit is to know that by Jesus going away, he sends the comforter forever. He says the disciples, which is you and me, will do even greater things than he. What he means by that is that we will go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit will unite us as disciples. The risen Lord will be our glue. Jesus was limited to one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit now is free to roam the earth across the time zones, across the territory. In the Roman Empire, they came up with what was called Pax Romana. How do we get peace? We will force people into peace by the power of the sword. That's not God's way. God's way is the Spirit of God comes to bring peace from out of this world into our very hearts, into our very lives. And so, my friends, it's our tasks, as it were, of vessels of the Holy Spirit to be bringers of peace, to comfort the troubled in the world around us, and boy, there's lots of it, to bring good news of great joy that we have a saviour who bore the cross. St. Francis discovered it's when we serve, we are served. It is in giving that we receive. So we are not abandoned today since the risen Jesus with all those who say yes to him right now, tomorrow, through the rest of this week, the Lord is with you always. So two things. Do we need to step closer to the Lord to recover the warmth of his love and our devotion in response to him? And then the other part, our task to testify and demonstrate the message of peace and invite our neighbours and our colleagues and our families into the extraordinary shalom that Jesus offers. Remember that God develops spiritual power in our lives through the pressure of hard places. John Wesley was an amazing evangelist across these lands in the 18th century. They say that because of his preaching to hundreds of thousands of people, we had avoided civil war and bringing the gospel and changing hearts. He was on his deathbed in the late 1700s. And he tried to voice some words to the doctors and those who were in his room as he lay dying, ready to meet his saviour. And he just summed up the last words were, best of all, best of all, God is with us. My friends, God is with you this week 
And you can do extraordinary things through the power of his love and his presence. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, you are so kind and generous. Lord, we pray that you'd fill our lives, you'd flood our lives with the presence of the Comforter. Some of us here have troubled hearts. Some of those troubles are big and serious. And some of them are trivial. Uh, But whatever they are, Lord, we pray that you'll lift our eyes to the Saviour and that you'll fill us with your peace, with the Spirit of Jesus. Help us to empty ourselves of ego, of self, and to fill ourselves with more of Jesus, more of your love, more of your presence, and more of your peace. Help us to find that rhythm and that balance. May the pandemic teach us what is important to what is less important, and that we learn to do more of the important. In the Saviour's name, amen.